All right, Colossians chapter 2. We're going to finish this chapter up, Lord willing. Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 23. We'll pray, and then we'll get started. Father God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for your word, and I pray that it'll be a good word to us tonight, that we would just listen to it. God, we, we do get to complaining a lot about stuff we got going on, and it's not that, God, our problems and our struggles are not real, dear Lord, because we do have tough stuff that we go through in life, but God, help us to be grateful for what we do have, and God, give us the strength to get through the tough days and the frustrations that we have, and God, I just thank you for being good to us and giving us a church and a church building with air conditioning, and God, that we can sit here in freedom tonight. Let us not take that for granted, and I pray, God, that you would just hide me behind the cross, dear Lord. Help me to, to preach your word in, in a way that's going to bring glory to you, dear Lord. Just forgive my my failures and my shortcomings, and dear Lord, just, just use me in spite of me, dear Lord, and all that the bad that there is in me, God. I pray that you just would let the Holy Spirit work in my life and everybody else's life here tonight, and that you just would help us to grow in you in these words. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we've been talking heavily about Jesus in this book of Colossians. It's very Christocentric, that is, Christ-centered. That's, that's what... Uh, Paul had been talking about and last week we talked about circumcision. Paul was addressing that issue and that's an issue that we see a lot in the New Testament because that was part of the a command that God gave to Abraham way back in the day and there were many people in scripture that were legalistic and they were worried about going by the letter of the law and they were really worried about the physical about what people were going to see or about what they could boast about in the physical. And some would boast in their circumcision as though it made them better because they were circumcised. And they would tell others that they needed to be circumcised. But what Paul really wanted the people to understand was, look, it's your heart that needs to change. As the scriptures say, we need a circumcision of the heart. We need to, that needs to be the sign that we are of God. Not a physical sign, but how we live. Do we live by God's commands? Do we love him? Do we love our neighbor? Are we obedient to God? That's what God wants. It's not so much about what's on the outside, uh, so to speak. I mean, obviously, if we are God's, what comes out on the outside should be good. But if we are God, we are good. But if we are good, that doesn't necessarily mean we are God's. Or at least, let me rephrase it. If we look good, we may look the part. We may say the right lingo. And that was part of the lingo we looked at last week, that, that idea, that topic of, of circumcision. But... Uh, he says very beautifully, Paul does, at the end of the passage we looked at last week, he talked about that, that uh, in verse 13, backtrack a little bit, and when you were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. And it says he erased the certificate of debt by nailing it to the cross. Now, we have that certificate of debt. We are... We are guilty of our sin. The wages of our sin is death, and we cannot repay that debt. But Paul tells us something beautiful, that Jesus took that certificate of debt that you and I owed, and it was nailed to the cross. And so, again, he's centering everything around Jesus. The circumcision was a sign that was pointing forward to something that would be fulfilled ultimately in Jesus in a more perfect way in the circumcision of the heart. And that's kind of that same theme we see in these verses tonight. Uh, in verse... 
16, with all this in mind, with Jesus being at the center of everything and all of our sins being nailed to the cross when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he says in verse 16, Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or in the matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Now, we talked about circumcision last week, and these things would fall into a similar category. These would have been things of old that some people would have still been clinging to. They still would have been putting so, too much focus on these things about what people eating or about what people were drinking or about festivals or about Sabbath days. And there may have been some, and it appears that there were, that we see in the New Testament that were holding people to things that, 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 that were not the most important thing. They were overlooking Jesus because they were saying, hey, you better make sure you eat the right food. You better make sure you're circumcised. You better make sure you observe the Sabbath. And what Paul is trying to say and the whole New Testament is trying to say is that all of these old things that were in the law are pointing us forward to Jesus. They are all fulfilled in Jesus. And so there was symbolism. There was importance in those old things like we talked about Sunday. But the symbolism was perfected in Jesus Christ. It was pointing to something that was fulfilled in a perfect way. And so we don't observe all those old things or live by those old things. We live by Jesus Christ because they pointed to Jesus. And that's what he says in the next verse. In verse 12, these are a shadow of what was to come. The substance, or some of your translations say, the reality is the Messiah. We talked about this a few weeks ago. You may remember we had, the, we had the light up there and we had the sheet up there and we talked about a shadow and we talked about we don't look at shadows and say, wow, these shadows are so beautiful. No, the shadow only shows just a, 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 a fuzzy outline of, of what the real object is. And so all of these things, the Sabbath day and the food and the drink and the festivals and the circumcision, these were all a shadow of something that was going to be that was going to come in Jesus Christ and be perfect and in a perfect way. And that's what Paul says. These are a shadow of what was to come, but the substance is the Messiah. And so many people of the New Testament were too concerned about these things of old, and they were not recognizing that we are under grace. We are not under the law, but we are under grace in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you a lot of scriptures here, and I'll give you these when we get through if you want them, because I'm going to go quick, because I might read a lot of them tonight. But in Galatians chapter 3, verses 24 and 26, now we've, we've preached through Galatians a few years ago. Those are online if you want to listen to them. But it talks about the law. The whole thing is freedom from the law. We have freedom in Jesus Christ. And it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, the law then was our guardian. Okay, the law was good. That's what Paul says in Galatians. It was there for a time until something better came. Something better came. What was that something better? The law was our guardian until Christ so that we could be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So the law was... The law was until. The law was until what? The law was until Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is trying to get across to the people in Galatians. And that's what Paul is trying to get across to the people here. And uh, the Colossian people, he's telling them this same thing. 
The law was until Christ. It was our guardian. It's the way God led us. It was the way God wanted us to live. But now everything that the law pointed to has been perfected in Jesus Christ. We see uh, uh, in Romans chapter 6, verse 14, Paul says, For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. And so we see, this, we see this theme throughout the whole New Testament. There are some who are wanting to observe the law, and Paul says, look, you are focused on things that do not matter. Now, he lists one thing here that's a really controversial thing even among Christians, and that is he talks about the Sabbath day here. Are Christians supposed to keep the Sabbath day, or are Christians not supposed to keep the Sabbath day? Now, you'll find many Christians that will tell you uh, one or the other. Some Christians will say, no, we are freed from the Sabbath day in Christ Jesus. And others will say, no, we are still to keep the Sabbath day. Now, there are a lot of difficulties that come with that, and I won't hash them all out because we've talked about this in great detail, I think, on probably three different occasions over the last few years. But, but the Sabbath day is Saturday. The Sabbath day has always been Saturday, and it is always going to be Saturday because the Sabbath day is the last day of the week. And you can research that all you want to, but the Sabbath day is Saturday. And some people say, I keep the Sabbath day, but really they keep Sunday. Now, I can say I don't know that in my entire life that I've ever kept the Sabbath day. Now, the Sabbath day was indeed a command that God gave to Israel in the Ten Commandments. That's for sure. But... Another mistake that we may make with the Sabbath today is God says, don't work on that day. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy and do not do any work on that day. What it does not say is go to church on that day. Now, we make it to be that, and some people say, well, the Sabbath day is now Sunday. There was a change in the Sabbath day, but there has been no change in the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is still Saturday, and most Christians, apart from the Seventh-day Adventists, do not observe Saturday as the Sabbath. Now, if you think you need to observe the Sabbath, then if the Holy Spirit leads you in that way, then I would encourage you to pray about that. But I would also encourage you to read Scripture and to read what Paul says because Paul says the day doesn't matter. He says that in Romans chapter 14, verse 5. He says, One person considers one day to be above another. Someone else considers every day to be the same. Each one must be fully convinced in his own mind. And so Paul doesn't show any distinction between days, both in Romans or here in this passage that we are looking at in Colossians. Paul says, look, some people are giving you a hard time because you don't keep the Sabbath day. But what we see in the New Testament after Jesus' death is that people meet on the Lord's day is what you see in Scripture. Now, when is that? That's Sunday. Why do they meet on Sunday? Because that's the day that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. So there was never a change from the Old Testament Sabbath to us meeting on Sunday. That change was never implemented in Scripture. The reason why Christians started meeting on Sundays was because that was the day of the Lord. Now, some would say, but Jesus uh, observed the Sabbath. Of course Jesus observed the Sabbath. He was a Jew. He followed the commands of God. And until he died on the cross, that old covenant was still in effect. But Jesus died on the cross to give us a new covenant. We talked about that Sunday when we talked about the Lord's Supper. Jesus says, by this, this is a new covenant. My, my flesh is being given. My blood is being shed. It's a new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. 
uh, we see in the New Testament even after Jesus' death and resurrection that Paul uh, observed the Sabbath. He went uh, to where people were on the Sabbath to preach to them. But I believe Paul only did that because that's where the people were that he wanted to preach to. They were already together. They were meeting in the synagogue. And so when we talk about the Sabbath here in the New Testament, uh, we see in Paul's writing that he says, Look, if you think you need to observe a Sabbath and one person holds one day above another, then so be it. But if every person holds every day the same, then so be it. There, there's, not a, there's not a distinction between one day and another in that sense. The other real difficulty that comes when we speak of observing the Sabbath, if we, if we want to say we are still under the law, then we must be still under the law. There's where the difficulty comes. See, what, what we may think is, well, this law is good and that law is good, and so I'm still going to be under those laws. But when we read the Scriptures, it's clear that Jesus Christ has freed us from the law that the law has served its purpose, that the law has run its course. Uh, we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, verses 7 and 9. Oh, wait, I think I got the wrong, wrong passage. All right, I didn't get the passage that I was that I was wanting to on here. But it's clear throughout the New Testament that we have been brought into freedom from the law. The law was a burden that was on the people in a lot of ways. Now, we don't see the Sabbath day mentioned, but if you go back and you read in Acts chapter 15, there were some people and they were under pressure, under burden. There were some Jews who were telling some people you need to be circumcised, just what we talked about last week. And so uh, they went and talked to the apostles about this. They gathered up and they decided, well, what do we need to tell these people is important. They're, they're being told that they need to be circumcised. And they come to the conclusion there was only a few things that they needed to be aware of and that they needed to remember. And it, these would have been Gentile people. And of those things, in Acts chapter 15, verses 28 and 29, it says, For it was the Holy Spirit's decision and ours to put no greater burden on you than these necessary things. So what did they say was important for these who were coming to Christ? That they abstain from food offered to idols, from blood, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. You will do well if you keep yourself free from these things. Now, the reason why they listed some of these things may have been if they were coming from their Gentile lifestyles, they might have been eating food that was sacrificed to idols, and that might have messed with their conscience. Even though it doesn't matter for the Christian, they may have, in their old ways, and worshiping their old God and eating that old food, they may have had a weak conscience, the Scripture says. And so, uh, as they wrote this list of things that would be good for these Gentile believers to, to focus on, they mentioned not eating food offered to idols. They mentioned sexual immorality. Hey, stay away from that. But of all the things that they could have mentioned, they did not mention the Sabbath day. They did not acknowledge circumcision as being important, like we see Paul not doing here in the passage we looked at last, last week. Uh, nor do they mention the Sabbath of being anything that's important or a necessity for salvation. Now, there are some who would say that that is the case, that you must observe the Sabbath or uh, you are not saved, and that is clearly not what the Scripture at all says. And so it's a difficult topic when we talk about the Sabbath day, uh, but it is best for us to remember 
Paul's words. Uh, if you think you need to observe the Sabbath day, then so be it. Uh, but respect those who are in Christ who don't believe that. Or if you think every day is the same, then so be it. Uh, if, if there are others who want to observe a Sabbath, then Christians should respect that so long as the, those who are observing such a Sabbath are uh, doing so for the glory of God, no matter what day of the week uh, that may fall on. Verse 18, Let no one disqualify you insisting on ascetic practices and worship of angels, claiming access to a visionary realm and inflated without cause, by his unspiritual mind. He doesn't hold on to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons, develops with growth from God. Now, he gives them a word of warning here. Now, we know that there are deceivers that, that are always around us, people who, who may be religious in some sense, but they are not Christian. They have a, a sense of religion. They may even know the Bible, but they are not in Christ, and they teach teachings that are false teachings. What are some of these teachings? Uh, are some of these burdens that, 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 that sometimes religious people put on others? Well, we've talked about a couple of them. Sabbath day observance, circumcision, maybe how you dress or how much money you put in the plate or whatever else it may be. There may be all kind of things that we may tell people they must do uh, that are not biblical. But here he says in verse 18 that there are some who are insisting on ascetic practices. Now, what is ascetic practices? Well, that means... To, to, to be ascetic means to, to live a very to live a very simple life to 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 rid yourself of, of any materialistic pleasures perhaps you would think about monks when you think about this people who live you know or, or maybe even harm themselves maybe even whip themselves or maybe even cause themselves pain uh, or, or, or even dress uncomfortably uh, just as I was studying Martin Luther I learned more about the monks because he, he was in a monastery for a while and the monks they would wore rough clothing. They wouldn't even wear comfortable clothing. They didn't think it was it was right for them to have any material wealth or to be comfortable in any way. They were trying to humble themselves in every way. And he was in the monastery for a long time. And he said, if ever there was a there was a, a monk that was good that could have gone to heaven, it was I. But then he realized that he wasn't going to get to heaven by doing all those things. That he needed Jesus Christ. And so. Uh, obviously there were some in Paul's days that were teaching these things to live this ascetic life. Oh, you can't have any materialistic pleasure. Uh, you have to just live a, a lowly and a humble life. Uh, and in some sense, that would be a false humility. Because if you're not living that life because that's what you want to live for the glory of God, if you're just doing it because you think, I have to live this way for God to accept me, well, in a, in a way you're living a humble life, but it's kind of a false humility. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't think there's anything wrong with living a humble life. If you want to live a humble life with few possessions and, and, and not live lavishly and have all the modern comforts of the world, then I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as you are doing that because that's what you want to do. But if you're doing that because you think it's going to please God, well, then you're not doing it the, with the right heart. You're, you're misunderstanding what Scripture says. We don't please God by our actions, no matter how falsely humble we are, we are, 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 God is pleased with us when we come to Jesus Christ. And there were some in Paul's day that were promoting these ascetic practices. And the worship of angels claiming access to a visionary realm. Now, this is something that obviously was going on in Paul's day and is still going on in our day. Uh, the idea of the worship of angels is something that we see 
on a few different occasions that is referenced in Scripture. Uh, probably the most prominent passage would be that of Galatians chapter 1 in verse 8. And I think I got it on my list here. And it says, But even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel other than what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. Now, Paul is saying, look, I have rightly preached to you the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, and he is, uh, that salvation only comes through him, that he was crucified and resurrection, resurrected. That is the gospel. That is the truth. And if anybody comes preaching another gospel, not that there is one, Paul says, don't listen to him. And he said, if I come back telling you something else, don't even listen to me. And if an angel from heaven comes and tells you something other than Jesus, don't listen to the angel. Now, that's probably the clearest passage about don't, don't listen to anything that's not promoting and pointing to Jesus Christ as Messiah. But we also see that at the beginning of the book of Hebrews where it talks a lot about angels and that Jesus is higher than the angels. And it's likely the reason it's addressed there is because people were being tempted to worship angels or listen to angelic messages that were being given to them or in a visionary realm. Now, this is something that we need to be aware of because there are many religious denominations and organizations that have popped up uh, throughout the years and continue to pop up with people who have got some kind of spectacular vision from God about something that was going to occur, about prophesying of a return of Jesus Christ. And a couple of the biggest uh, religious groups in our world today were founded by people who had crazy beliefs and who saw these visionary things and uh, that are clearly not of Scripture. But yet there are some religious groups and denominations that have grown huge, even though their founders openly admitted that these was, this is how they received the information was through these visionary states or these trances or whatever it would be uh, that they would go into. <clears throat> Obviously, this is nothing new. As Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun. That was happening in Paul's day, and it is still happening in our day. And so we need to be careful. We also need to make a difference, too, between people who receive some kind of special revelation in a visionary realm or from an angel and those who may simply just have a bad interpretation. There's a difference there. There are some people that preach and teach certain certain things that... that may not be right and it may not be that they are claiming that they got them from some angel or in some vision or through some crazy circumstance it may just be that they have interpreted the bible badly uh, we probably are all guilty of that to some some extent something we read and we thought it meant one thing and then we read about it and pray about it a little more and maybe we realize you know what i got that wrong that's not what that means that's different from people claiming that they received some special vision from god or they were visited by an angel, or they looked into their hat with their seer stone to see what God wanted to reveal. These are all kind of crazy things that some religions were, were built upon. We need to be careful, though, that just because somebody has a maybe a crazy interpretation or, or, or a bad interpretation or a different interpretation from us, that's not what we're talking about. There's a difference between bad interpretation and receiving a deception and teaching and preaching a deception. That's what these that Paul's talking about uh, were doing. And as a result of that, it said, he said that they didn't hold on to the head of the body. Well, who is the head of the body? Well, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He is the 
head of the body. And we grow in Jesus Christ. If so, so if our foundation is built on some phony message we've received from an angel or some phony message we've seen in a vision that maybe we made up in our deluded mind or maybe the devil has put there, if the message comes from that, then guess what? We're not going to be nourished. We're not going to grow. We grow by sticking to the head. We are the body. The church is the body. The body has many parts. But if the church is the body, who is the head of the body? It is Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. If the church is severed from the head, then the body cannot function. And so if we as a church stick with Jesus Christ, we must remain rooted in Jesus Christ, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And if we are rooted in Jesus Christ and Christ crucified, then the body can function properly for the Lord. But if the head of the body is not Christ, but some mumbo-jumbo that somebody made up, then that's not going to lead people to the kingdom of God. And that's what we have to be careful for. We look out for people who do not preach and teach Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. They may even say things about Jesus, but what are their motives? Are they seeking money? Are they seeking fame? Are they seeking power? Are they claiming that they receive things directly from God and nobody else has the right answer and only what they say is what can be believed? Those type of people you run from. And as Paul says, even if I am one of those people, then you run from me. You kick me out of the church. You get me gone. Because the only message that we stick to is that of Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. And so we must be on guard. Paul tells his hearers here to listen, to be ready to look out for these things and today i tell you to look out for these same things these same false teachers and false teachings are in our world today verse 20 if you died with the messiah to the element elemental forces of this world why do you live if you still as you still belong to the world why do you submit to regulations don't handle don't taste don't touch all these regulations refer to what is being destroyed by being used up. They are commands and doctrines of men. That's the scripture I was looking for a while ago. It wasn't on my list because it's right here in what we just read. He says, look, you used to live for the world, but you don't live for the world anymore. What, what are all these regulations? People are telling you, you got to get circumcised. You can't eat this. You got to observe this day, that day. Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. He says, all of these regulations refer to what is destroyed by being used up. All of these regulations that maybe were from God in the past have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ because they were a shadow of what was to come. But the reality is Jesus Christ. Jesus is reality. Reality is not circumcision in the Sabbath day and all these other laws and eating certain foods or not eating certain foods. That is not reality. That is a shadow of the reality, and the reality is in Jesus Christ. Those things have been used up. They have fulfilled their purpose. The law was our guardian. It has fulfilled its purpose until Jesus Christ. In verse 22, although these have a reputation of wisdom by promoting ascetic practices, humility, and severe treatment of the body, they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence. Now these type of things, they have a reputation, he says, of wisdom. These ascetic practices, in particular what he's talking about here, they have a reputation of wisdom. They have a reputation of being good things. Be circumcised. Observe the right days throughout the year. 
Don't eat certain foods, and then you'll be good. Don't live a lavish lifestyle. Live a humble lifestyle. Treat your body severely in some cases as a punishment for some evil you have done. He says, look, these things are taught, and they may have the appearance as though they are wisdom. But what does Paul tell us wisdom is at the beginning of 1 Corinthians? He said wisdom is Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. The world views Jesus as foolishness. The world views the cross as foolishness. But what is foolishness to the world is wisdom to God. And that's the wisdom we see. Paul says there are some with these ascetic practices and these false teachings who want to burden you with the ways of the law, who want to cheat you of the freedom of Jesus Christ. But Paul says don't give in to worldly wisdom, a.k.a. foolishness, but put Jesus at the center. Let him be the head because Jesus is the reality of all these things that are perfected and what God really wanted us to get from all of these things he commanded us way back in the Old Testament. That's a lot that Paul said there, but that's good stuff that we need to pay attention to. We need to be on our guard that we don't fall into those religious traps that the people of Paul's day fell into. We don't want to fall into the burden of the law. We don't want to think that we have to somehow punish ourselves for our sins because Jesus Christ was punished for our sins once and for all. And for us to say that there is some punishment that we do is to say that what Jesus did was not good enough. And so when we humble ourselves, it does not need to be with a false humility through cheating ourselves or depriving ourselves of something to earn God's favor. When we humble ourselves, we humble ourselves at the foot of the cross and come boldly before Jesus Christ, asking for a grace that we do not deserve, but that he freely gives. And Paul says, don't get caught up in any of this other junk. Don't get caught up in any of these other teachings. Don't get caught up in this foolishness. Don't worry about the things of the world, but know that Jesus Christ has nailed your trespasses. Your certificate of debt has been nailed to the cross, and you are free in Jesus Christ. So watch out for the false teachers. Stay connected to the head, and he will guide the body. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight with a lot of heavy stuff. This is some serious stuff, dear Lord, but in all we talk about and all we do, let it be for Jesus. Let it be for you. Let us not, God, try to seek things of this world or get caught up in, in legalism and living for the world and following a bunch of things that Jesus has freed us from, dear Lord. Let us be respectful to one another as Christians, even if we disagree. And God, help us to get your word right when we get it wrong. Because sometimes, God, we do misinterpret and we do misunderstand. And help us to understand as best we can, but help us to be on guard, dear Lord. There's a lot of wolves out there, and it's hard to see them, God. They look like a sheep, and they say some good stuff. But, God, they say some bad stuff, too. And so let us be aware of the bad stuff. Let us be attuned to the bad stuff. Let the bad stuff jump out to us, dear Lord, and let us not be deceived. And, God, even more so, let us not be a deceiver. Let us not believe any lies, but trust your word and seek your word and let your word guide us in all that we do and all that we say and all that we think that we'll stay attached to Jesus Christ so that he can lead us in the way that we need to live. And I just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.